0: A podcast hosted by two idiots who think they know everything about mysteries, conspiracies, and strange phenomena. I'm your host, Douglas Green, sitting here with other host, Jackson Housting, and our resident 12-year-old, Doobie.
1: Hello. What would
2: you like for
1: Christmas? A unicorn.
2: You have it right there.
0: A unicorn and her two front teeth. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) That was dirty. I'm sorry, but um, yeah, we have a special episode for y'all, it's Halloween, Um, this will be up on Halloween, correct? Yes, it will. Um, Yeah, so we're going to get spooky with an uncovered episode, and I'm going to tell a little story as well, a little spooky story to get the mood going, Um, but Jackson, you have anything to say, any uh, pre-topic topics? No. (laughs) That's really disappointing. Um, Doobie, how are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm good. We're, you know, we're trying to perk up.
1: Yeah. You want some coffee? You're,
0: you're, it's a little too you're late. <laughs> very much, no? I am. Yeah. It's it's weird cuz I I'm hearing you it. You want me to have the headphones then? Yeah. He hasn't told me how to hold the mic, which is impressive. Um, you're holding the mic fine. Is it good? Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> um but yeah, it's Halloween. We're gonna get spooky. I don't know what is in store for this uncovered episode, but uh we're about to get into it. So uh Doobie, do you have anything to say? Any 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 weird stuff that's been happening to you or
1: uh Um Dawson said I'm cursed. Really? So yeah. Cursed yeah First <laughs> well my birthday's monday and everything keeps falling apart like <laughs> i was supposed to go to felix's on the causeway and i looked last night and it got wrecked really? so yeah <laughs> i'm upset but other than that i'm great
2: <laughs> what is your favorite night swims episode
1: on um, the black dahlia that one was my favorite
2: yeah there was a good guest on that one I don't remember his name, but he was pretty cool.
1: Oh, crap. Was that Dawson's? Yeah. Oh, geez. I forgot. No, I just thought this story was interesting. No, I didn't. No, no, no. It's, I thought it was very good. Yeah. wish Dawson wasn't there. What's some of
2: your <laughs> favorite conspiracy theories out there?
1: Conspiracy <laughs> theories? Yeah. I don't know. Or
2: mysteries or strange phenomena?
1: Strange phenomena. dog is so cute.
2: Okay, we're, we're recording right now. You can't be talking in the background <laughs> while that's going on. All
0: right. Well, did you say your favorite conspiracy theory? No, because no, we had to talk to you.
1: <laughs> I, got, I got distracted.
0: Well, this is your dog, right?
1: Yeah. Um, anything to do with aliens? Okay, cool. Um, government's kind of crazy at times. Yeah, I don't really Hell trust yeah. the government. No, so, me anything to do with them? Cool.
2: Okay, final question. Oh, Back God. in the day, Toys R Us held a sweepstakes where if you won, you had five minutes in the store to grab whatever you want. How would you maximize your efficiency if you won said sweepstakes? I
1: just sweep everything off the shelf. Yeah, just just in her get it, yeah, get a but buggy. But you can't, you can't,
2: you can't, you, do, you, have, you have to be able to like walk out with everything. So oh, you, you have, can't have to
1: just, hold it. You can't have a buggy. You
2: can't. Do, well, I guess you could. That's what I'm
1: saying. I have a buggy. And I'm just buggy. swooping shit That's off sick. the shelf. It doesn't
2: matter like <laughs> what, what type house? of.
1: <laughs> yeah, every aisle. Yeah, yeah.
2: It doesn't matter what type of shit, you're just swooping shit.
1: Yeah, and then I'd finish the last 30 seconds going down the slide. They used to have a playground in did, the back. Yeah, yeah. yeah And did. I would slide down and then run out with the buggy.
2: It's <laughs> a good idea. Okay, Um, are you doing the story first? Yeah. Do you have it pulled up?
0: All right, I'm going to hand the mic back to Douglas. Oh, man. You have your music? You know, it's a short yeah. story. Oh. I, I wanted to keep it short, and I figured everybody's gonna know this story because it's a kind of a popular story, but it's, r- it's still it's spooky. Here, I'll hold it. I got, I got. Oh. <laughs> I was like, "What is that?" <laughs> Wait a little bit. Sound like a bong grip. <laughs> Five more there we go. Here, just put like right here. you hear it? No, you have to like do that. Yeah, really? Yes. I can hear it. You know, let Doobie hold it. She's yeah. is that too loud? I don't know. Yeah. Let's <laughs> turn it down a little bit. Oh my god, that's so spooky. Alright, cool. Alright. Is that better? So we start off. A young girl is staying by herself in the house for the first time. Does it sound familiar? Her parents told her, if you get scared, put your hand under the bed and the dog will look it.
1: Oh no, mm-hmm. no.
0: He'll keep you safe. <laughs> no, he won't. Hi, Dad. <laughs> she turns on the TV and watches the news. The reporters are talking about a serial killer who has escaped prison and is on the loose. And they warn everyone not to go out after dark. The girl is scared and she runs around her house locking all the windows. She goes down to the basement, but the window there is jammed and she can't close it. So instead, she locks the basement door. When she goes to bed, she calls her dog up and he crawls under, under the bed. She's still frightened, but manages to go to sleep. She wakes up in the middle of the night to a loud dripping noise coming from the bathroom. The noise is loud and annoying, but for some reason she finds it unsettling. Her room is dark, and she's afraid to get up and check it. She sticks her hand under the bed, like her parents told her to, and feels the dog's warm, wet tongue licking it. Yeah, it's a little, a little much. <laughs> she inst- she tries to turn on her <laughs> on her bedside lamp, but the switch isn't working. She becomes even more scared and buries her her uh, buries under the covers. She puts her hand under the bed again. The dog licks it. She manages to go back to sleep, listening to the dog's heavy breathing to calm her. She sleeps with one arm dangling under the bed, where her dog can lick it occasionally, and vows to check the dripping in the morning. The next day, she gets up and goes to the bathroom to shower. She pulls back her shower curtain and sees her dog hanging by a rope from the showerhead, dead. Blood is trickling from it, thick and stale. Written in blood across the the bathroom wall is, humans can lick too. the end. That was very dark. Yeah, it was very (laughs) dark.
1: I've never liked that story. (laughs) I read it on Instagram one time, and I was like, that's terrible.
0: (laughs) What did you think of the story, Jackson?
2: I've always had an issue with that story because a dog's tongue and a human tongue don't feel the same. So I feel like someone uh, would be able to tell if a dog or a human is licking their hand. uh,
0: with cat tongues and human tongues.
2: Dog tongues are gorgeous. also different from human tongues. Quick, lick yourself, then have that dog lick you. That's it's exactly
0: the
1: same. Really? Yeah. She does have no. a soft tongue, yeah. I mm. must add. That was a good Very gentle.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, maybe it is cats I'm thinking of, but <laughs> I don't know. I if like that. Rough st- cats. I like that story. I know cats have rough tongues. I thought dogs do too. No. No. Dad says no. It's dad. Well, all right, then never mind. I don't have a problem with that story. It was good. Thank you. It's not I was bad.
0: I just want to get a Halloween story in there because it's Halloween. So. Very. If you're going
2: to talk, at, just let me know so I can hand you the mic.
0: I'm
2: just trying to shout. All right. Should I get on with my story?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Are you going to talk to the dog in the background? No.
0: I mean, she's just jumping up.
2: Oopsie. That was awkward. Is that your one? For my medicine, yeah. Uh,
1: it's birth control.
2: Uh, okay, so today I'm doing something that is unsolved. Really? Yes. And we're about to uncover it.
1: I'm down. Yeah. You down, Doobie? I'm down.
2: It is a serial killer. Not from this country.
0: Vlad the Impaler.
2: He's a known person. <laughs>
0: He's a
1: vampire. Vampire. Sorry. He's a vampire. <laughs>
2: He's an. It's an unsolved thing. And his name, Douglas.
1: His name is Douglas. If
2: name. No, it's Mister Cruel. I was I was just seeing if you wanted to guess, but you just sat there (laughs) not doing anything. What? I don't really know serial killers. Well what the hell are you doing on this show then? Where's Dawson? He knows more about serial killers.
0: I mean I'm more of a conspiracy and ghost kind of guy, which is cooler. It's true. Mm.
2: Well yes, we're going over Mr. Cruel.
0: Jackson, I have a question. Who is Mr. Cruel? Thank you for that.
2: Mr. Cruel is the name given to the Australian boogeyman who became well-known for the heinous assaults against children he would commit in the late 80s and early 90s. His identity has never been discovered, and he's escaped justice for almost 30 years. Now, we were requested to do a spooky one, per your request, and I think nothing's spookier than a man named Mr. Cruel who attacks children and is still not caught. I have another question. Yes.
0: Is Cruel spelled with a K? (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, Danny. that's okay. what Let's I see. Cool. Why would that have been better? You
0: know how pe- some people like put K for cool and all that it makes it cooler.
2: Who puts K for cool? Cool people.
0: You obviously don't know anything about that. But uh, no one can hear me right now. <laughs> I can hear you.
2: Yeah. I think they can hear you. What? I don't. It cruel. is, oh, whatever.
0: It's just spelled like regular cruel. Whatever. Uh, whatever. So, it's just a regular guy.
2: so this story, and it's understand. it's fairly <laughs> long, so <laughs> we're gonna have a good bit of um stuff to go over. It's on a website called Unresolved.me. I don't know if that's the official thing, but it's pretty extensive. And This website has like a bunch of other things that you can like other um unresolved stuff that you can go over. So if you feel f- if you um if you feel you're like doing some digging yourself there you go. Do you have anything to say before we start?
1: I'm sorry for making y'all come here at nine on a Saturday.
2: Oh it's fine.
1: It was hard for me. It was because of Douglas. (laughs) I was actually about to head to y'all's apartment and then Jackson said I'm on the way and I was like "Mm, bed.
2: (laughs) Yeah well I figured we'd come here anyway.
1: No that's fine. I just thought I was gonna make it easier but no. Thank you all for we coming. We made it easier. Yeah. We're
2: the podcast. This is, your, this
0: is your birthday present.
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs> the podcast comes to me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I bet everyone wants that yeah. on their birthday. Yeah. is a 9 a.m. podcast. Well, oh, that
1: sucks. They can't. <laughs> but
0: this, you know, this episode will be immortalized on the internet. Ooh. So watch what you say. <laughs>
2: I don't do a whole lot of editing.
0: He doesn't. He does no
2: editing. I actually do do editing. There's a lot of stuff that you would be surprised that I've cut out. Oh, yeah. The Hugh Jackman episode I made, that took me three hours to make, and it's like 30 minutes. Well, you had to do that. Because you left.
0: Well, I was on family vacation. We're not getting into that. Oh, my God.
2: So, Mr. Cruel, um, <clears throat> on August 22nd, 1987, on the outskirts of Melbourne, Australia, specifically in the suburban area of Lower Plenty, things are as they should be. While the rest of the world is beginning to cool down for fall, winter is coming to an end in Australia. I didn't even know they had winter there. I thought it was just, like, hot.
1: Always hot. <laughs> All year
2: round. Wait, isn't, like, the seasons reversed in the southern hemisphere, so wouldn't...
1: Well, if winter starts Wait, in oh. August.
2: While the rest of the world is beginning to cool down for fall, winter is coming... Oh, okay, so, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so temperatures are still relatively chilly <laughs> in the southern city. It is around 4 a.m. on a Saturday, uh, the time where most families are at home fast asleep. But in this chosen morning an urban legend was beginning to take form in the shape of a masked man lurking outside of a family home. Removing a panel from the family's living room window, this criminal made his way inside, alerting absolutely no one. This masked man made his way to the bedroom of the parents, armed with a knife and gun. He woke up the two parents under the threat of lethal retaliation, pretending to be just a common thief that was interested in their personal belongings. I think I didn't show y'all the mask. Here's the mask
1: looks pretty homemade. Yeah. Here's the mask. <laughs>
0: kind of one of the shittiest.
1: I just I know, saw that. that a,
0: a balaclava? Is that what that mask is Balaclava.
1: Called? I just saw that at Spirit of Halloween, so All that's right. pretty good.
2: <laughs> we'll post this on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh. So, commanding the parents to roll over onto their stomachs, this criminal tied both their hands and feet together, nullifying any plan of escape the two may have had in their tired, groggy, yet thoroughly alarmed state. This intruder utilized a type of knot commonly used by sailors or those with nautical experience. To further compound their inability to escape, the masked man ordered them into their nearby wardrobe, but not before blindfolding and gagging each with surgical tape that he had brought with him. He locked both parents in under the threat of death and made his way to the rest of the house. In an adjacent bedroom, the family's six-year-old son was awoken by the intruder, but was kept relatively unharmed. The masked man blindfolded and gagged the boy with the same surgical tape and then tied him to his own bed. This was when the intruder made his true purpose known, and he made his way into the nearby bedroom of the family's 11-year-old daughter. Over the Okay, so uh, this case is uh, PG-13. Over the next two hours, this masked intruder would take breaks from his own perverted sexual desires to wander throughout this family's home, even stopping at one point to make himself a meal. After spending the better part of two hours... Assaulting this poor 11-year-old girl, this mysterious psychopath left the house with a box of classic records and a blue jacket stolen from the family. And this is how the legend of Mr. Cruel began and established an Australian boogeyman that would haunt parents and children for decades afterwards.
0: I would say that's rated Yeah, I was thinking that too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, R... Or
1: NC-17. Okay, well, it's
2: rated NC-17. assault of an 11-year-old, that's pretty... That's PG-13. I just (laughs) said assault to, you know... I knew it was bit. coming,
1: but I knew it wasn't BG 13 <laughs> uh, Yeah, I agree. That's,
0: that's <laughs> a little more.
2: <laughs> All right, well. Now we know. Yeah. So following the attack on the family in Lower Plenty, the police were obviously called and brought in to investigate the crime. Uh, without a doubt, they were stumped. This attack seemed to come unprovoked, and the family had no real demons to look further into. The crime didn't seem to fit with any of the other open cases in the area. In the late 80s, Melbourne had the reputation of being a safe place, the most livable city in the world, many citizens ascribed as its unofficial slogan. While violent crime still happens within its borders, it is a lower rate than many other places in the world. So police began to look into the assault and pick apart the pieces. The Parents had been bound, gagged, and then locked inside their wardrobe. The son had also been bound, gagged, blindfolded, and then tied to their bed. And the daughter had been physically assaulted over a span of a couple hours in which the suspect searched the house and eventually made off with... Like I said, a record collection and a coat. Uh, More details came out when the investigators began to focus on the daughter. She told the police that during one of the perpetrator's breaks, he had used the family phone to call someone else. This call was a threat, as apparently the man had demanded the person on the other end of the phone to move their children or else they would be next, and he referred to this person as Bozo. When the police checked the family's phone records, they were surprised to see that no such call had actually taken place. Obviously, this was before the commonplace nature of cell phones, but it became clear later this was a trend of Mr. Cruel. He liked to plant red herrings like this to confuse the investigators. Fortunately, it would be over a year before the perpetrator struck again. Unfortunately, we would see the stakes rise dramatically as this perverted individual began a reign of terror that would leave parents and children alike living in fear. Ready? I'm
0: I'm formulating a theory in my
2: how have you already formulated a theory? Yeah,
1: because I can't. <laughs> I just, I just am. What's your theory? I'm not, it's
0: not done yet. It's, I, I said it's formulating. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. okay. So December 27th, 1988, just days after Christmas, most families would still be enjoying the post-holiday bliss. But on this day, one family would experience the most trama- traumatic, haunting experience of their lives. John Wills, his wife, and his four daughters were sleeping in their Ringwood area home, just a few miles southeast of where the previous assault had taken place over a year prior. John was deep asleep, when at around 5.45 in the morning, the sensation of an object to his temple startled him awake. Don't be a hero, a voice ordered him. That was my Mr. Cool voice. (laughs) And John was immediately plunged into a parent's worst nightmare. The masked intruder, wearing dark blue overalls and a blue ski mask, was holding a gun to John's head. He was also holding a knife in his other hand, and John knew that to fight back would be to risk the lives of his entire family. John and his wife were both ordered to roll onto their stomachs, much like the first crime, and they were bound at their wrists and ankles with copper wire. A similar type of knot was utilized as before, a specialized one used primarily by sailors. They were then blindfolded and gagged with the same type of surgical tape as before, and were then assured by the insurer that he was only there for money. Uh, He stole roughly $35 from the family's bedside table, and then he went throughout the house, physically cutting the home's phone lines. After ensuring that he had a head start, he made his way into this bedroom with the family's four daughters shared. Addressing 10-year-old Sharon Wills by name, this man woke up the groggy 10-year-old and then proceeded to blindfold and gag her as he had her parents. He stopped to pick up a few items of her clothing and made off with her into the early morning. It took roughly 15 minutes for the two parents to break free of the restraints. When they finally did, they were confronted with the crippling realization that their oldest daughter was missing. With the phone lines cut, John had to rush next door to the neighbor's house to use their telephone, and they then proceeded to search the neighborhood in a panicked state. Unfortunately, his search would be in vain and come up with nothing, and 10-year-old Sharon Willis was gone, and their nightmare had just begun. Nothing? No thoughts?
1: Are these happening like close?
2: Well, yeah, the the that family, where'd they say they were? It just it was just a few miles southeast of where the initial attack happened. Okay. But it was like over a year past cuz the first one was in August. Yeah. Any from you anything? No, nothing yet. It's still formulating. It's still formulating. So for over 18 hours, the Wills family existed in a panic state, worrying that their 10-year-old daughter had been taken from them for good. It was just after midnight when a woman stumbled upon a small figure standing on a street corner, wrapped in a garbage in, in a green garbage bag. The small figure was Sharon Wills, as she had been left by her abductor. Despite the terrible trauma that had just befallen her, the 10-year-old was surprisingly in strong spirits, calm and collected. Uh, "My name is Sharon Wills," I, she told the woman, "and I was taken from." Home, early this morning, a man left me here and told me to go and ring home. The woman that found her called police and got in touch with the Will's family, and soon they were all united. But the investigation into the assault was just beginning, and it turned up some surprising evidence, or rather, the lack of any. She was blindfolded throughout the entire ordeal, so she wasn't able to give a physical description of the attacker, but she described him as as a soft-spoken, rather blunt individual that actually seemed somewhat caring about his victims. Typical. Ew. This, this, of course, stood in stark contract, contrast to the egregious crimes that had just taken place, so investigators were sure to take a note of it. One of the words used to describe him was gentle, which was especially shocking. Sounds a lot like you, Douglas. That does sound like me. Ew. Ew. <laughs> well,
1: you're in a blue jacket, Jackson. So It's a hoodie. It's still blue.
2: It's not a jacket.
0: Is he Duke yeah. Jacket zip up.
2: I don't think he was a Duke fan. Now he could
1: have been. He been. You didn't. You don't That's wear. a jacket. <laughs> you don't know.
2: Dawson's wearing a jacket. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> during her brief captivity, Sharon was apparently fed a Vegemite sandwich and given some milk and lemonade to drink. And shortly before being let go, the suspect had given the ten-year-old a thorough cleaning. Not only washing up. Uh, It's Vegemite. It's like an Australian thing.
0: Uh, I guess we wouldn't understand.
2: Isn't it? What is it then?
0: (laughs) It's like old, like canned food. Canned food. Like just processed bullshit. It's kind of like spam.
2: From Australia. No, not from Australia. Mm, I think it is. (laughs) Uh, So... (laughs) He had given her a thorough cleaning, not only washing off any possible forensic evidence he had left behind, but clipping her fingernails and toenails, brushing and flossing her teeth, and more.
0: Wait, he brushed her teeth?
2: Yeah, and flossed. Ew. And clipped all her nails, and much more. The abductor either kept... Or discarded her clothes, not wanting any forensic evidence to be tracked back to him. He then dressed her in an assortment of garbage bags before dumping her off the, on the grounds of Baywater High School just a few miles from her house. Uh, investigators were quick to piece this evidence to the prior one in Lower Plenty, but they wouldn't make any details of that public for quite some time. Needless to say, though, an environment of fear was beginning to take shape, and the nickname of the Hampton Rapist began to be used to describe this burgering boogeyman. How's that theory? No, how, how's it? yeah? Still coming along, man. I'm trying to piece things together. All right, bye, Dad. He's so nice. That that's the that's sign language for love you.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. The yeah. middle finger.
1: Well, I don't ever see that. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, Chomper, what do you think so far about the investigation?
1: Let him boop it. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm trying to. He's over. <laughs> hey, what do you think?
1: Oh, oh. that was <laughs> adorable.
2: Why'd you lick it?
1: Don't You're don't crowding. put Layla on there.
2: Any more thoughts? Oh, Here. you have something else to say? Oh. <laughs> okay.
1: He's so <laughs> smart. Yeah.
0: That's good.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's good stuff. Any more?
2: Oh, <laughs> just a boop. <laughs> boop. Yeah. Okay. All right. Are you ready to hear more? Ah, ah, ah No no. Get off the don't get off the interface. You're gonna break it.
1: <laughs> She's hiding. <laughs> Go ahead.
2: All right. Proceed. So, in the weeks and months following the assault, the Will's family lived in a state of fear. The parents, along with their four daughters, began to sleep in the family's lounge together, refusing to sleep in separate bedrooms for months. They installed a security system and were given a golden retriever as a pet by a caring individual. I swear to God, if this golden retriever gets killed by the Mr. Cruel. I think that's where this is
0: heading.
2: You think so? Think Why it was
1: w- given from a caring person? Yeah. By
2: well, a caring individual. Well,
0: who's
2: the caring individual? Mr. Caring. Oh, sh-
1: uh, was it the K? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Mr. K. Caring. Uh John Wills, in particular, took the assault very difficult. Very difficultly. Uh, he began to wonder if anything he might have done would have changed the course of the assault or saved his daughter all of that untold pain. He had no way to know and simply had to hedge his bets on the police eventually finding his daughter's abductor. Unfortunately, the investigation into finding the perpetrator was a dead end. Very little evidence was left behind or ever even found none of it could be used to find one specific person. One piece of evidence uh, emerged in later interviews in which Sharon told of hearing low-flying aircraft during her short captivity. This is a clue that would go on to affect the investigation later on, for better or worse. While many in the era began to wonder who the mass menace was, another frightening question began to emerge. Do you know what that question was? What's going on? No. Do you?
1: Who was Mr. Cool?
0: Close. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who was next? Oh. Nearly two years would pass before that question could be answered.
0: Well, he would call his next victims, right? No. Did he not call another family? It's like, move your children or you'll be. But dead. it was a red
2: herring. Oh. He, they he
0: just doing that, throw them off. Yeah. I
2: see. That was a theme of his investigation.
0: Smart guy.
2: Yeah. Not really. Yeah, inspired by him? Screw this guy. Oh, there you go. <laughs> The area of Canterbury, Victoria, lies just on the outskirts of Melbourne, located west of Ringwood and south of Lower Plenty. It is yet another part of the sprawling suburban area, albeit much closer to the center of Melbourne proper. The Linus family were rather well-off English citizens who have been renting a house along the esteemed, prestigious Monometh Avenue. We're all familiar with Monometh Avenue, I assume. Used
0: to live there. Really?
2: Great place. Cool. You're familiar with it? Very. Cool. Awesome.
1: Used to ride my bike over yeah. there. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the li- the Linus family were oh already right, okay. Uh, moving to Australia for business purposes, the family was prepared to move back to England in the near in the very near future. In fact, they had moved to me- this Melbourne area community specifically to raise their children safely, and are planning on making their move back home just days later. On July 3rd, 1990, their illusion of safety would be shattered forever. The Linus parents.
0: Another shattering.
2: The Linus' parents, Brian and Rosemary, were at a farewell party being thrown for them. The family was planning on moving back to England in the very near future, so they had left their two daughters alone at home for just a few hours. It was shortly before midnight when 15-year-old Fiona and 13-year-old Nicola... Nicola... Nicola? Nic- Nicola were awakened by the angry, commanding barks of a mass intruder. He ordered Nic- Nic- Nicola into another room to collect her school uniform from the Presbyterian Ladies' College she attended, while he began to tie up Fiona in the very bed she had just been sleeping in. Armed with a gun and knife, these two lone teenage girls stood no chance of either fight or flight, and now with the oldest of the two bound, this intruder was able to make his getaway quite easily, informing Fiona that her father, Brian, would have to pay $25,000 for the safe return of Nicola The abductor took her and made his escape in the family's own rental car, which was parked in the driveway. The two drove for about a kilometer, which in miles is how much, Douglas? Oh, shoot,
0: like, I don't know, 1.4 miles. Is that
2: right? Uh, I don't know, I'm asking.
0: Well, let me Google it. Uh,
2: I don't care that much. And then they proceeded to park the family's rental car and presumably transferred another parked car that the abductor had prepared.
1: You said 1.4. I was thinking 1.6. Yeah, over <laughs> a mile. <laughs> Do we make you lose your spot?
0: Yeah. yeah. It was well, this just, guy's asking for big bucks
2: now. Yeah. It was just it's 20 minutes Mary after the abduction that Brian and Rosemary Linus returned home, finding their driveway empty and their front door open. That intrigue turned to fear, which only compounded when they found poor 15-year-old Fiona bound on her bed with a ransom message. The police found almost no evidence from the crime scene itself. The intruder's kidnapping in Nicola had been done in a quick, tactical manner. They realized that tough spot that they were now put in, with most missing person cases going cold about 48 hours after the initial abduction. That's why the first 48 hours is so important of investigation. Did you know that? Yeah, I've
1: heard so that the from TV first, show, 48, first
2: 48, 48 hours. Yeah, the, the TV show. <laughs> Unlike the abduction of Sharon Wills, uh, Nicola wasn't returned later that day or even the next day. Roughly 36 hours after the abduction, her father, Brian, held a press conference in which he pledged with the or pleaded with the abductor and stated his willingness to comply with the ransom demands in any way possible. Unfortunately, uh, the Hampton Rapist, as he was now known as, had left behind only a demand for money, but no means of which to collect. The investigation began to look into business dealings of Brian's beginning of Brian's, beginning to think that this may somehow be related to his work. The police believed at the time that this ransom must have been personal in nature. Fortunately for poor Nicola and her family, she was found alive approximately 50 hours after being abducted, and it was her 14th birthday. Found outside an electricity station in Q, 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 just a short distance away from her home, Nicola was left by her abductor, fully dressed and wrapped in a blanket. Her abductor had left her outside the utility station and told her to sit in a prone position until she, he could drive away. After that, she had removed the blindfold that had, been, that had become her vision for the entirety of her captivity and then made her way to a nearby house. It was shortly after, two in the morning, but she immediately phoned her father, who had been awake praying for a safe return ever since returning to a desecrated home on July 3rd. Uh, Nicola was able to provide the investigators with some details that were vital to their investigation. Most prominent among them was a rough estimation of the perpetrator's height, which was roughly 175 centimeters. Douglas, which, as we all know, is five foot eight.
0: <laughs> Do that.
2: Why Wait, didn't you say it? Five
1: yes. eight.
2: Five eight.
0: How many centimeters are you
1: doing? Like... Seven?
0: <laughs> oh, so 5'8 is 175.
2: What's 5'1? One? 20.
1: You're lying. I don't know.
2: <laughs> they don't have like a chart right here that has it. I
1: mean, then how do you know it's 5'8? It Did they just tell you? Yeah, it says, oh f-
2: or 5'8 for those of us stateside. Uh, she had guessed this by judging her own height to the attacker when he rushed her from her bedroom to get to the getaway car and said that he barely stood taller than herself she revealed information that the suspect likely had reddish brown hair how would you know that uh, she was also able to give detectives some vivid de- some vital details they hadn't heard as of yet a description of her, abduct- her abductor's house and vehicle while the sketches she gave the police were rather mundane and plain in nature they were of vital importance especially once word of how she had gotten them had gotten them got out apparently Nic- nicola had been blindfolded for the duration of her captivity but had been given a few chances to get a glimpse and taken it. This went in direct contract to threats given to her by Mr. Cruel. My freedom is worth more than your life, he had told Nicola, which echoed threats he had given to Sharon Wills. Just like her captivity, Nicola had been bathed and cleaned before her release. Throughout her captivity, she had also been forced into a neck brace fastened to the abductor's bed, which no doubt fed into the fear and panic she must have felt throughout. During this endeavor, it was reported that the perpetrator talked aloud to another person while Nicola was blindfolded in the bedroom, but no response was ever heard. Investigators weren't sure whether this meant there was an accomplice or such, but it's likely that this was just one of his many red herrings. She also told investigators months after the Linus family completed their move back home to their native England that she remembered hearing the same type of low-flying aircraft previously reported by Sharon. To investigators, this meant that the suspect lived in the surrounding vicinity of the nearby Tula Marine Airport, most likely in its direct flight path. Now the investigators had the rough height of the suspect, as well as detailed sketches of his house, the interior of his car, and a good idea of where he lived. You'd assume that a warrant would be issued for an arrest any day now, but you'd be assuming wrong. Unfortunately, the worst was yet to come. Jeez,
0: it just keeps getting worse. Yeah. yeah, that's the
2: point. What a great way to start a Saturday morning. Yeah. You asked for this.
1: Sorry.
2: <laughs> oh, sorry for you.
1: I'm getting like Golden State Killer vibes. Like, how does he know they're alone? You know? That is a good question. Or, like the last story. How yeah. did he know?
2: Maybe you w- maybe you just got lucky. Well,
1: that's some
0: getting, that's some luck. I'm look. getting a mix of Golden State Killer but then also the Watcher House.
2: Yeah. Who's the Golden State Killer? So then you can't say, I'm getting that feeling well, too. I
0: remember we, we talked about some sort of, we talked about the Golden State Killer, did we not?
1: Because of me. <laughs> because of, was it
0: because of you?
1: I told Jackson, I wanted uh, him to talk about it.
0: And we talked about
1: it. Who was he?
0: Dude, I don't remember, but. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm getting
1: killer vibes plus watchers. <laughs> there we go.
0: <laughs> killer vibes. Zodiac no, know, is know, another I thing. I am do killer vibes, because he doesn't kill people. Oh
1: well, no, it's not that he's killing them, but he's just yeah. performing. In c seventeen rated stuff.
0: We're not going to talk about that (laughs) because this is a PG thirteen podcast. There you go.
2: Look at you. I'm
0: killing it.
1: Oh really? Spooky.
2: (laughs) You know who isn't killing it? Mr. Cruel. Yeah. So John and Phyllis Chan were two incredibly hardworking parents that worked approximately eighteen hours a day to ensure luxurious lives for their three daughters. Both immigrants to Australia, the two parents owned three restaurants in the Eltham area of Victoria a personal favorite area of Australia. I mm-hmm. go there all the time. As well as a handful of other property investments. The Two parents often didn't return home until midnight or so, managing one of their three restaurants. They would often leave their three daughters home alone, trusting their 13-year-old daughter, Carmen, to watch over the other two. Well, this is just dumb.
0: She's probably, like, trained in some sort
2: of martial arts. Maybe she's 175 yeah. centimeters, so that's yeah. why she's yeah. there. Uh, Mr. Cruel must have known this, as detectives believe he would stake out his victims for weeks or months ahead of time, learning their habits. Oh, there you go. Let's see? Yeah. On April thirteenth, nineteen 1991, terror and tragedy would strike the Chan family and the former Mr. Cruel himself. Even though the family resided in the comfortable Templestowe district of Victoria in a house that would that many would classify as a mansion, they weren't immune to the dread of Mr. Cruel. It was a Saturday, normally a very busy day for the Chan parents, Carmen with a K. And her two younger sisters were left to their own devices, which on a Saturday night meant the three sisters would be watching movies and TV in Carmen's room. Speaking of Saturday night, John Mulaney's on Saturday Night Live tonight. Oh yeah? I just remembered that. And it's the strokes.
1: It's, it's my birthday party tonight, tonight.
2: Oh, yeah, that too. We're
1: not going now.
2: <gasps> John Mulaney. <laughs>
0: How about we get John Mulaney to come to your birthday party?
1: Y'all can leave. And the strokes. Thank you.
2: <laughs> uh, this has been night swims. Uh,
1: <laughs> Boo! Oh, that.
2: You're booing the episode that you're on.
1: I think I've done great.
2: <laughs> so at roughly eight forty in the mor- in the evening, Carmen with a K and one of her sisters started to go to the family's kitchen to make something to eat. When they were confronted by Mister Cruel wearing his traditional balaclava along with now a green-gray tracksuit, I wonder if it was velour. That'd be that'd be kind of weird. He just shows in a velour tracksuit uh, And holding an intimidating knife. I only want your money, Mr. Cruel told the three girls, as he forced the two younger daughters into Carmen with a K's closet. He claimed he only wanted Carmen with a K to show him where the money was, and he braced a bed in front of the closet, locking in the two youngest sisters as he made his getaway with Carmen with a K. Well, there's been a lot of obsession with the letter K this episode, mm-hmm. so finally, I figured I would,
1: we're,
2: yeah, I would point out when someone's named with a K. K
1: is full of spook. Yeah.
2: That's true. Only lesser to the Q. I were Mr.
0: Cruel, I'd be scared of Carmen with a K. Cuz she's got the upper hand.
2: What right? if he spelled cruel with a Q? That'd be really sadistic. <laughs>
0: that would I
1: don't know how I don't think you That gives that. me a headache. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, it would still it would Too still weird. be it would still be cruel. Would it?
2: Cuz
0: Q is the weirdest <laughs> letter to me. <laughs> I don't think it would What <laughs> <laughs> <you. laughs>
2: Mr. <Mister> Qu <laughs> What are you finding?
1: That's like spelling What's Jackson it? with a Q. Jack, no, Jack Wisconsin. Well,
0: like where
2: would you put the Where would you put the Q?
1: Where the K is? What
2: you would combine the C and the K. That'd be kind of sick, though. No. That would. That'd be like French. I could. I could make Jack- that word.
1: Jack Swan.
2: Where are you getting the extra letters from? There's no R.
1: It's it's French.
2: Ja- it'd just be it just be like it, if anything it'd be Jackson. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Is that with the Q? Yeah. Cruel. Now do Jackson with the Q. No CK, just Q.
0: Translate from Corsican. That's I mean. mm.
1: Jackson. Oh wow, that's lame. There's no uh, croissant in there. Like but if Jackson. it's If it yeah, if it's yeah. French, you gotta Yeah Jacques.
2: A It'd be Jackson. Like Jacques Jackson. Jacques Cousteau. <laughs> you should change your name. Should I? Cool.
1: Yeah, that suits. Dude, you a the Q kind of sick. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I can pull that off, and then do the two dots over the U in Houston. Yeah. Jacques. Does that change the? Yeah, mindset? it'd be Jacques U uh, oh. Houston.
0: Houston. Yeah. Wow, you'd be so like exotic.
2: They'd be know. like, "Where are you from?" Mobile. <laughs> <laughs> but they wouldn't think I mean, that. It sounds exotic.
0: Jackson, like, like, Mobiles a French city. That sounds like a French name.
2: That's so. ju- well, pars- partial, partial uh, French, partial uh, German. And then the middle name is just English. Well, no.
1: What is your middle name?
2: Raleigh. So would that be German? Yeah, kind of?
1: Yeah, I think name. so. Yeah,
2: French. One-third French. French, French Two-thirds German. Raleigh? I could do that. Yeah, Raleigh.
1: Raleigh. Like North Carolina?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. People think I was named after North Carolina, but it's my granddad. Or my great-granddad. But people are like, oh, from like Raleigh. Like, no.
0: That's Raleigh, dumb. North Carolina is cool. Yeah, but I'm not
2: going to be named after it.
1: Well, I was thinking of Diary of a Wimpy Kid. The friend's name oh, is like Rowley. Rowley. Yeah, so I was like, how are we spelling that?
2: Yeah, his name is actually Fregly from Diary of a Wimpy Kid.
1: <laughs> that's <not> oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. I not to freak out. Douglas Fregly Jr. <laughs> you look like a Fregly, so I can see it.
2: Like you do look like Fregly. Fuck
0: dude. That was weird.
2: You look like him.
1: Didn't he have the
2: cheese touch? <laughs> no, no, no. He had that booger thing.
1: Yeah, he would pick his neck. <laughs> I remember reading
2: books. Like, you could see the And he he put it, I put it on this piece of paper so you could chase me back. And he was touching. All right, I'm just going to keep reading. Disgusting. So within minutes, (laughs) the two youngest sisters had broken free from their makeshift prison and immediately placed a call to their father, hard at work at the family's restaurant. By the time police arrived, they knew what had taken place. The large house had no sign of children within, no yard toys, no playground equipment or anything of the sort. This attack had been planned and there was evident and that was evident from the house's driveway. Written in big, bold letters on Phyllis Chan's parked Toyota Camry were the words, Payback, Asian drug dealer, more, more to come. Tracing his entrance from a cut window screen, police were able to track the intruder's steps through the house, including his getaway through the sliding glass door in the kitchen. Aided by tracking dogs, they were able to trace the abductor's steps through the family's garden and tennis court, up to nearly 300 meters away at a vacant lot, where he must have made his getaway with Carmen with K, in a waiting car. You sure? Yeah. Okay. Uh, hoping to get their daughter returned home safely to them, both John and Phyllis Chan held a press conference roughly 72 hours later. Phyllis Chan broke down sobbing, holding up the outfit Carmen had been wearing the night she was taken and pleading for her daughter to be returned home safely. Days later, the Chan family posted an encrypted letter in the local newspaper using a cipher that Carward would have been able to decipher. They offered ransom. In exchange for the safe return of their daughter, even Carmen's sisters penned letters to pu- be published in the media, begging for their older sister to be returned to help take care of them and help with their homework. Those selfish <laughs> bitches. Like, <laughs>
1: you got homework. <laughs> Get home. <laughs> you know
2: my sister's missing, but like I need help with this fucking algebra. So if you could just like give her back, that'd be sick. Uh, Who? Like what? That just seems like kind of like. The weirdest, like, thing to, like, make a plead for.
1: This just seems to be getting more, like, ridiculous.
0: It seems like it's getting fake. That's what it seems like. Like, I can (laughs) understand,
1: like, like
2: (laughs) a younger kid's being, like, innocent about it. But, like, no one's going to be like, oh, my God, she needs help with her homework. We need to get her back.
1: She's really not doing good in English right now. Like, she needs help. (laughs) What
2: an idiot. Learn to do school better. Well, I guess... You won't get abducted. Well, I guess she did, maybe. Unfortunately, what?
0: All these kids are doing terrible in school. They're They're dumbasses, and that's why.
1: All these kids are
2: fucking idiots. (laughs) So Mr. Cool like, we need to teach you shit quickly.
1: (laughs) What if he is a teacher and he's getting mad? That's
0: that's a theory. One theory
1: down. What's the theory? (laughs) That that that, that he's a school teacher and he's (laughs) trying to (laughs) help kids do better by kidnapping them. Or they have poor hygiene and. He oh, <laughs> he yeah, that's true. Him after. <laughs> They're <laughs> idiots,
2: and they don't know how to bathe themselves. I mean, I
1: feel like I know why he's doing that, but... Yeah, we're what
2: not going
0: to get into that. Why yeah. did
2: you, why'd you bring your iPad?
0: Because I thought I could tell a story, but I'm not connected to Wi-Fi now. Oh,
1: I could have helped yeah.
2: you. Unfortunately, days, weeks, and then months would pass with no word on Carmen's safe return. Oh, he's extended this shit. And more unfortunately, the investigation... money on this one? He said, <laughs> well, the car, he was like...
1: Ooh. That's a yawn. That's a I'm yawn. I'm reading
2: a lot of Yawned shit. At
0: Dawson's house.
2: I'm reading a lot. This is like, oh my gosh. On the on the car he wrote payback, Asian drug dealer, more and more to come. He
0: bores himself with his story.
2: I'm just reading a lot. Like when you read a lot, you just like.
1: I don't. Oh.
2: I'm okay. I can make
1: you some coffee real quick. I don't
2: drink coffee. I'm just gonna have well, a sip of water. Well, maybe you should. I hate coffee.
1: Coffee hates you. Yeah.
2: I know. I'll have a Coke.
1: Glass Coke. Glass yes. Coke smile. Those bottled <laughs> Cokes,
2: those are awesome.
0: That
1: was funny. Yeah, I like I that.
0: Was.
2: I didn't. Oh, Glass Coke smile.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Call back to Black Dahlia right there.
2: Nobody. So the, and more unfortunately, <laughs> the investigation was marred from the very beginning. The first yeah, police yeah, responders yeah, spoiled. any... Okay, dude, I'm reading right now. Don't talk in the background. <laughs> I'm not yet. I, s- I fucking. You <laughs> can't say it. Ew. <laughs> look, that's a
1: long. Yeah, issue. that was so long. <laughs> he started
0: talking. It didn't.
2: The first oh. police responder spoiled any potential evidence by failing to establish the Chown house as a crime house. There were dozens of police walking throughout the house and looking for leads before investigators could begin to look for clues of their own. Even though the police force spent the next few months running a fine-toothed comb through the John Chan's personal and professional life looking for any possibility of criminal ties of business enemies. The investigation soon swung to focus on Mr. Cruel. The writing on Chan's vehicle was nothing more than another red herring, mm-hmm. m- m- meant solely to mislead investigators. One of the largest man... Oops. my phone. <laughs> One of the largest manhunts in Australian history... Uh, Operation Spectrum was a multi-million-dollar undertaking that consumed tens of thousands of man-hours, along with many thousands of more volunteer hours. Offering a three-hundred-thousand-dollar reward for any information leading to the capture of Mister. Cruel, the safe return of Carmen Chan was of the utmost priority. However, there would be no happy ending oof, for Carmen or her family. Shit. I think we have our first death yeah, here. I was about to say. Nearly a year to the day of her abduction on April 9th, 1992, a man was walking his dog in the nearby area of Thomastown along Edgar's Creek when the pair stumbled upon a weird object. He bent down to touch it and was horrified by the discovery. Returning home to the alert the authorities, the police soon discovered what the man had found. A fully decomposed skeleton which would soon be revealed to have been Carmen Chan. An autopsy revealed that she had been shot three times on the head, execution style, and based on the deck decomposition of her skeleton had likely been dead for almost a year theories have lingered as to why mr cruel murdered her uh but that can be that can possibly be explained by carmen's own mother phyllis phyllis insists that carmen was a stubborn girl who would have fought against her victimized uh, being victimized and likely learned of her abductor's identity it's possible she learned who her kidnapper was and paid the ultimate price for it Even though his life had been torn apart, John Chan was cleared of any possible wrongdoing and revealed to be an upstanding member of society. Operation Spectrum now publicly connected Carmen Chan's murder to the three previous sexual assaults slash kidnappings and laid blame at the feet of the true culprit the still identified Mr. Cruel. It's
0: quite the acceleration, though. Well,
2: it wasn't... Well, it wasn't really, like, an acceleration because, like, he probably, like, killed her, like, fairly, like, soon after kidnapping her.
0: Well, yeah, but... Probably because she, I agree with. Like she found out who he was.
1: I had a feeling she was a fighter. Yeah, she was probably well, she's, whooping she's his, his ass. Because that K. She was the yeah, it's one a K. That was kidnapped. She
2: was 13, right? Well, n- technically, the the second one was returned on her 14th birthday. Uh, oh, that
1: makes sense. Are they all about the same age? When was the peop- 11, oh, yeah, Eleven to 10?
2: 14 when was is
0: 10, correct. Huh?
2: No, it's 11 to 14. Is what we're dealing with. Operation Spectrum would last for the next few years, costing over $4 million. Do they do dollars in Australia? No, they use it pounds. pounds. Was that like 5 million pounds? I don't know the calculation there. Huh. The 40-member task force would go on to investigate over 27,000 suspects, receiving over 10,000 tips from the public, and search over 30,000 houses in the hopes of identifying a single clue. While Mr. Cruel was never identified by the task force, it it went on to arrest over 70 people involved in child pornography, oh. a CD underworld that many believed Mr. Cruel to be involved in. Both of his freed abductees had claimed to have seen or heard clues of a camera at the foot of the bed that had been detained. they had been detained in, and it was an easy step to believe that Mr. Cruel was involved in the trading of that content. But unfortunately, despite all the good co- accomplished by Operation Spectrum, the Victoria Police Force was marred with claims of corruption in the early 90s, which not only would go on to affect the later investigations into Mr. Cruel, but bring forward many claims of a cover-up. And it was eventually shelved in 1984, with, with, and with it, any potential leads to Mr. Cruel. Over the years, theories would linger about the identity of Mr. Cruel and his eventual fate. No future crimes would be attributed to him, but investigators would possibly, have possibly tagged prior crimes on Mr. Cruel. While they believe that the abduction and murder of Carmen Chan was his last offense in the Victoria era, there are potentially up to a dozen assaults on children in the mid eighties and that have remained unsolved. And almost all of them share a couple of details with the Mr. Cruel abductions. So it's possible that Mr. Cruel is a far more notorious criminal than publicly known, but police have refused to release details of these prior assaults or Mr. Cruel's alleged ties to them. Another theory has emerged that, uh, another theory that has emerged has been Mr. Cruel's, supposed ties to the Victoria school system. All four of the assaults and abductions happened during school breaks which lead many to believe he was an p- employee of the local school system. Boom. <laughs> they al- that, this also goes in conjecture with the knowledge that both Nicola Linus and Carmen Chan attended the same school, Presbyterian Ladies College, and Mr. Cruel requested Nicola, er, Nicola to bring her school uniform along with her. This would bring into question the ties to Sharon Willis since he addressed her by her name on the night she was abducted. Further interviews with his two living abductees revealed that he liked to refer to them as Missy and lived in a fantasy where he thought the two were married. It's very possible that this monster, a man that preyed on children in the most depraved ways, spent his working hours among them. In 2010, over 20 years after the original abductions and assaults, a new investigation was launched into finding out details and hopefully identifying this Australian boogeyman. Task Force Apollo was launched, hoping that newer technology and investigative methods could bring about an answer that prior detectives had failed to find. Unfortunately, much to the dismay of the task force itself, many of the case files were misfiled, unorganized, or just straight up missing. In fact, one of the vital pieces of evidence that could have led to Mr. Kruhl's doorstep, a piece of tape used to bind one of the victims, was missing. Police could have potentially used that piece of tape to recover DNA from Mr. Kruhl, but it had disappeared while in police custody. The missing piece...
0: That's uh, quite convenient there. Yeah,
2: Mm.
1: pretty spooky. He's
0: either a teacher...
1: Or he's a cop. Or a
2: police force. <laughs> the missing piece of crucial evidence paired with her, uh, Mr. Krull's tactical abilities and his knowledge of forensic evidence has also led to many to theorize that he might have been involved in law enforcement. It's possible that he would know what investigators would be looking for, <laughs> which is why he did his best to clean cleanse his victims of any DNA and remove vital evidence afterwards. We can only guess whether it was corruption or ineptitude that led to the essential parts of the case going missing. However, one suspect was detained in 2013 that ultimately could have been Mr. Krull. Robert Keith Knight was a man who had made a living as a youth worker and school volunteer. That wasn't me. Oh, I thought you sneezed. <laughs> was that the dog? No. Yeah. Oh. Uh, he had been he had been arrested on two separate occasions for a variety of crimes against children in 1980 and 1996. He had been arrested and convicted for uh, the assault of a minor, or assaults of minors, and a multitude of other victims had come out of the woodwork following his convictions. According to the original Operation Spectrum investigators. Uh, he was one of their suspects but they had never that had never quite panned out but investigators had been unable to eliminate him from contention he remained a person of interest throughout the following investigations and the time of the mister cruel assaults would coincide with his post 1980 conviction release after being released from prison in 96 conviction in 2009 uh, he began to amass thousands of images uh, and he later he was later detained in an investigation by Victorian police. He pled guilty to the overwhelming evidence, and while awaiting trial, he leaped from a second-story prison railing to his death by suicide. So is he just one of the many suspects that the Victorian...
1: Hmm? Sorry, I had a cough. Oh.
2: So is he just one of the many suspects that the Victorian police force have had to this day? Oh, so he is just one of the many suspects that the Victorian police have had force have had to this day and they have refused to make much more information public more recently many people have begun to theorize that mr. cool himself might have resurfaced and been involved in the 2011 abduction of 13 year old screwgirl Bung Siraboon, as that case remains unsolved without an end in sight as of this moment the uh, mr. cruel cool case is still open and remains one of Australia's most wanted criminals Bung. yeah
1: so we had a few theories that were, that could have been, like we, well we, we kind of, yeah. Right like we figured that out. Well, I said he could have been a teacher because yeah. yeah. he knows yeah. where these girls live.
0: And he was on the same time during like school breaks. And yeah. But and then
1: he was a volunteer cop on the weekends. Yeah. And that's
0: a volunteer <laughs> sheriff's deputy like yeah. Dwight.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> but that's the story of Mr. Cruel. You yeah. do some talking.
0: So I had a theory that I was formulating, but it's kinda really stupid. It's kinda really, really fucking stupid, but it no this is, don't judge me it's really fucking stupid <laughs> yeah, I'm a um so uh this guy's obviously a smart dude, right? Would you say a little bit before his time? wait ahead of his time, sorry, yeah, he's a time traveler, oh my God, <laughs> maybe.
1: Time no? traveler? Yeah.
0: Cause he he's he's got what was this, the eighties and nineties? Late eighties, early 90s. late eighties, early nineties. You know, he's got this <laughs> futuristic knowledge of how you know forensic stuff works, right? He's he's Jesus Christ. <laughs> Dog scared me. What are you barking at? Nothing. Okay. Absolutely nothing. Okay. It's a ghost. There's a ghost out there. Probably. Um I forgot what I was saying. Time travel.
1: Time travel. Time travel
0: it's stupid. I know. Um, I
1: was talking to Chomper. Chomper.
0: Excuse you. <laughs> <laughs> but I was formulating it, and then I stopped formulating it because I was like, okay. Do we stupid. know
1: about how old he would be?
0: Well, if... and if, uh, No. It didn't say. I mean, if he was if he's maybe doing stuff in 2011. That's what I'm saying. He's probably younger.
2: Maybe he was in like his...
0: 30s, 20, yeah, in the 80s and 90s, and then, what would that make him, like, 50, 50? yeah.
1: Was the last thing still, like, in Australia? Yeah. It was? Let
2: me, look, let me see if I can find stuff about her real
1: quick. See, my other theory was that maybe it was, like, two different people, but I, mean, I then know that is, didn't add I know up it was sort either. of like
0: a red herring, but he would talk to someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: Maybe there was two people yeah. involved and they didn't know.
0: Yeah.
1: But, like, one person pretty much got his height. But I don't know.
2: Uh, so, yeah, so she was in a... Sh- her, she was a th- her 13-year-old. Um, Her her name's not Bung. It's her nickname. Her real name's Siriacorn Siraboon. And so she, she lived in Melbourne. Um, she, w- she disappeared... Yeah, back in 2011, and no one's seen her since. There
0: you go. It's an interesting name. Um, damn, I forgot I was gonna say. Time travel. Oh, um, no, I'm not (laughs) talking about that. Um, he would use he would bound them with sailor's knots too. Correct. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he could be. I was
1: thinking about that too.
0: Um, in uh, Australia, Australia's military maybe.
1: The nautical team. Nautical, yeah, big sailor. I,
0: I don't know if they. C- I don't know what they call it. Like, I don't call it a navy, would they? I don't know.
1: Swim team. Swim
0: <laughs> team. <laughs> I'm Australia's swim team, but um,
1: that was a good one.
0: There's so I, I can't pinpoint anything because there's so many things that um, just throw you off. I don't know.
1: I feel like we were pretty on it though. Yeah, I mean.
0: On it as we can be. We're very yeah. amateur at this. We're not fucking <laughs> forensic specialists. So, you know, what? we need to try and secure some case files. Could <laughs> could we do that? I don't know. Maybe that'd be cool for like just some random just thing.
2: like a lot of like public domain.
0: Ones. Yeah, you find you need to find like a topic that has that, and we can actually read through those. It's a lot of reading though.
1: Yeah, Jackson might yawn himself. Yeah, he might yawn a lot. Uh, Didn't sound
0: It sounds like you're about to fall asleep.
1: He looks like he's about to fall asleep. Just
0: chilling. Too hard. <laughs> Is it still early? Oh shit, it's ten and four. Do you have anything you want
2: to, anything else you want to
0: say? Not really. That was that was really confusing. It was a good it was, yeah, a, that good was a good uncover. That was Yeah.
1: Spooky. Yeah, it was Some very spooky. spooky.
2: So what's
0: your theory? I I, I think. We're kind of on the nose with the whole teacher-slash-cop thing. Volunteer cop. But, I mean, he definitely knows the stuff, so... I mean, he knows the stuff about his victims, and he knows the stuff about hiding everything else afterwards. But, um... It's
1: pretty genius that he coined them after. Yeah. At I first, mean, when I heard that, I was like, that's weird. And then he it did is. it again, and I was like, oh.
0: I mean, <laughs> they can't track him down after that. Makes so. sense, yeah.
1: Even cutting their fingernails, like...
0: Yeah. yeah. Meticulous is he. There you go, I th- I think
2: he's he was a school teacher. Yeah.
1: Agreed. Yeah. And then a volunteer sheriff's deputy on the I weekend. Think, you know,
2: think, and yeah. also a pilot who lived by the airport. Yeah.
1: He, yeah. has, he has so a nice many. boat that he takes out yeah. on the weekends
0: I think this guy's got
2: money too Yeah
1: Obviously he's holding all their children for ransom yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: don't think he ever got a ransom though They Did didn't get that
0: 25,000 I don't think so and
1: There was one that was 300,000 for was Asian right, drug right, right. Yeah They were rich
0: Yeah they, were. they had they tracked them through their courtyard and tennis court or something Oh my
2: god <laughs> Ridiculous.
1: But so what do you think about that? It said something about drugs.
2: Well, that was a red herring. Yeah.
1: Oh, that was that was believed to be a red herring because they okay. investigated
2: the dad's uh, business. Well, life. then he
1: thought the dad even thought it had something to do with his work. Oh, yeah. That's what he said at his press conference. Hmm. So he was like, "Oh shit, <laughs> they're on to me." Maybe there's something
2: they, they didn't reflect. find then.
1: They're on to me. <laughs> yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: That's kind of red flag. Yeah. Right. Their own dad got spooked. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, ooh. So I.
0: Interesting. I
2: didn't think about that. Anything else to say about Mr. Cruel?
0: Uh, he should definitely put a K in his name. No. I think so. Anything
2: else?
1: <laughs> I don't think so. All right. I
0: think we, we've we done our best there.
2: I think we have. Yeah. I, I think this one still is unsolved.
0: Well, I think everything we talked
2: about <laughs> is unsolved. No, Black Dahlia we solved. John Bonnet Ramsey, we kind of solved. Did we? I think so. There we was a question. We didn't
0: say she was Katy Perry, did
2: we? No, that was okay. dumb. There was a question I did forgot, forget to ask you in the beginning. Yeah. Have you any had have you ever had any experiences with ghosts or aliens?
1: Not personally. Um when I was younger, I was like two, we had just moved to Mobile from North Carolina. And the first house that we got, my crib was by the window. And apparently my mom said I pointed out the window and was like who was that man, and she couldn't see anything, and her and my dad literally packed everything, and we were gone within a week. What? But, you know, babies and dogs can see yeah. stuff like that. that is but that was the only thing I could say.
2: Nothing ever here at this haunted place?
1: I feel stuff. Like, I've told Douglas before, sitting in this chair, like, it was like 6 in the morning. I couldn't sleep, I was watching a movie, and I thought, like, Spencer or Dawson walked down the hall. And when I look back, there's like, you could feel it, but no one was there. Yeah.
0: You've had something happen here, haven't you? I have. I'm creep Doobie out for the 20th time. Yeah. I, mean, I have
2: something to follow
0: up on. So in the house we're sitting at right now, <laughs> this is our band. Yeah, I feel like it's appropriate to talk about it. Slash um, podcast house now. <laughs> um, so one night for band practice, um. I was sitting behind my drum kit, and I face out into the living room, and then there's the hallway right at the uh, left corner of the living room. Um, And it's usually dark at night, and that's usually when we're here. And so I wasn't looking directly into the hallway, but out of the corner of my eye, I could see what looked like an old woman in a hospital gown. And I told like after band practice that night, I told Dawson's like, dude, I think I saw like a fucking old lady in a hospital guy And he t- he turns to me, he's like, dude, there there's an old woman that died here. And I was like, holy fucking shit! But then he ended up kidding. So he was kidding, but um, <laughs> it's like I that I saw that shit. It was weird. I think I saw that shit. It could have been. I just don't Stunzer, doubt it. I really don't, because
1: like at times I think someone's like coming that's, from the hall. Like into the kitchen or like going from the kitchen to the hall. It's weird. It's very weird. spooky.
2: So to follow up on that, um, one time I was here, uh, I think you when know, we were recording. Yes. You well, said you never had a ghost experience. No, well, no, no, like, like, like. Let me finish. Okay. So I was sitting like exactly where I'm sitting right now. Well, like we were recording. I mean, oh. like we had taken a break. What?
1: Nothing. Go ahead. No, like go recording ahead. Music. Yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah, and I was like sitting here, I was just like watching TV, I think, or maybe on my laptop, and I saw like someone like walk from the hall, like behind this wall right here, and then into the kitchen. And I looked over because I was like, oh, maybe like someone like went to go to the kitchen. You
1: thought it was me? I did, and then but then I
2: looked over, and Dewey was in the bedroom, and then everybody was in the playing music.
1: Think about because
0: there's usually like eight people. Yeah, everybody was playing
2: music, and I was like, I was like looking real quick, and I, I literally was like, guys, did someone just like. Walk into the kitchen, and I was like, "No, no." One walked in the kitchen, and I was, <laughs> I was like, "Okay." I swear to God, someone just walked by th- through the kitchen, and like I saw them like clear as day, and yeah. This
1: house is That's the only place I've like felt it or like seen, like. But I think I'm like tripping sometimes, and like something out of the corner of my eye like moves. But
0: do you feel cold spots anywhere? Right there, yeah. really.
1: This is like the only like this area. I mean,
0: I mean, that's oh. that. I mean, yeah. But, but no. I, that's sort of a radial thing. That doesn't go to just directly that spot.
1: The night that I thought, like, Dawson or Spencer was right there, I was I was not okay.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's <laughs> freaky. Because,
1: like, if I was, like, I would get out of bed and come in here and watch TV so I wouldn't wake him up, and then he would come in here to, mm-hmm. like, get me or, like, go back to bed. And I thought that's what was happening. Yeah. And I looked and I waited and it just felt like someone was standing there, and I like got up and I went and checked. Like I could hear Spencer snoring, and like Dawson <laughs> was in bed. And I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, that's freaky. <laughs> okay, <laughs>
0: that's freaky. I think this house is slightly haunted. No, this house is. I, well, you know, it's an older house. It's definitely haunted.
2: We should ask. We should ask.
0: Um, we could do an investigation thing. here.
2: Dennis' parents used to live here. Mm-hmm. We should ask them if they have any when, ghost
1: stories about when this they place. Were our age, yeah. Do that tonight. Yeah. Will
0: do. Should I bring my recorder? No. (laughs) (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Can you repeat that? Repeat that. So do you have anything else to say? No. I like talking about spooky stories, though. Well, no, just
2: like in general, because we're recording for over an hour. Oh, shit. Well, that's
0: usually how an coverage should be. Yeah. But um, no, I am content right now. Do
2: you have any final thoughts or regards?
1: No. Thank you all for having me. I'm excited. It's been a long time coming.
2: It has. The
0: going
1: to be upset. Oh well. It's like if one more person is on the Dude, he's he's been we, on
2: so many yeah, podcasts yeah. before, all right? Really? Well, I try to g- was John I, just in general though, I try to get people on that have not been on before. Toby's
0: yeah. never been on. No, yeah, Ward wasn't on. on,
2: so he was going to get on one. Yeah, it's We got to
0: have Ward back on. We told him
2: that. I know, I know. <laughs> it was <So> funny. He <laughs> was funny. Douglas, where can they find us on Instagram? At @nightswim.podcast <laughs> Thank you. The dog like that. Yeah. And <laughs> what? Wh- who have you been?
0: I've been Douglas.
1: And I've been Jackson.
2: <laughs> I've been Dubert. <laughs> Dubert, Dubert, Dubert. All right. So we will see y'all next time. Well, I think we're going to try and record one tomorrow, right? Okay. So, yeah. So. Oh,
0: tomorrow is. No. Someday is All Souls Day. We can still get creepy. Yeah.
2: Happy Halloween, everybody. We will see you next time.
1: Bye. Bye.